0: With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to TNTRadio.live. This is The Patrick Henningsen Show on TNT Radio. Right, folks welcome back
1: welcome back we're now in number two of this live broadcast i'm patrick enningson live and direct here at tnt today's news talk extremely extremely good conversation and analysis from dr Zachary Foster in the first hour. Uh, If you missed any of that, it was an absolute masterclass and we went through some of the more difficult arguments surrounding this issue. And, uh, Zach just really kind of put it all into perspective, uh, in a way that very few can, we really appreciate his analysis and his commentary and for being available on that and big, thank you to our team at TNT for arranging that great conversation. Certainly those are the types of conversations that we want to keep having on these very, very tough issues. And we do that consistently on this program. We do that for you, our listeners, for you, our viewers, because we think you deserve the very best in terms of real factual and hardcore hard hitting analysis, even if it's unpopular with some people uh, out there. Certainly those in the mainstream and mainstream politics do not like the conversations that we are having on this program and more broadly on TNT today's news talk, because it has the potential to disrupt the consensus. And listen, if you're in journalism or media and you're not in the business of disrupting the consensus, uh, then you got to ask yourself, what are you doing? what are you doing in media and journalism to begin with okay perfect example that man in the dock in the rural courts of justice uh in london this week julian assange uh is a big time disruptor and he has disrupted the consensus on some of the biggest stories on the planet during his career and found as founder of wikileaks uh as editor-in-chief of wikileaks held in arbitrary detention by the uk and the united states government for the last 13 years He's fighting for his life, he's fighting for his freedom, Uh, and he's just really doing it because he believed, while he got into this to begin with, he believed that the people had a right to know. The people had a right to know the truth. It's as simple as that. People have a right to know the truth, to be well-informed. If we are supposedly democracies, because how, how often are we told, oh, this is a democracy? We're democracies, we're not like the Chinese, we're not like those Russians. Those autocrats, no, 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 we're a glorious free democracy in in, in, in the United States, in in Europe, in the EU, in, in Britain, the, the foundation of the birthplace of democracy, we're told. We hold these values to be true and self-evident. No, you don't. Maybe at one point you did, but you don't anymore. Because if you're defending the uh, political imprisonment of an award-winning journalist like Julian Assange. And you're not speaking, A, if you're not speaking out against it, but there's, there's others doing worse. There's shilling for him to be extradited and then locked up and have the key thrown away for the rest of his waking years. There's those who are doing that. They want to see him hung, drawn and quartered, figuratively. Well, maybe more than that. Who knows? We, we're dealing with some insane people here. The same type of insane people the same type of intellectually challenged. I'm going to rephrase that. That's a bit. That's a bit mean. No, uh, reality challenged. They, they 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 struggle with reality. They struggle with reality. These same types of people that believe that uh, somehow, by some force and some magic, that uh, the Russians shoehorned Donald Trump into the presidency in 2016 you might laugh certainly if you if you're watching or listening to TNT you're just laughing right now you say who could be that stupid to 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 believe it back then but worse who could be that stupid to still believe it 8 years later really do you really want to know the answer to that question uh, uh if you look at the polling it is almost half of america half of america still believes that vladimir putin Put Donald Trump into power in 2016 to defeat Hillary Clinton. How, almost half of Americans believe that. So is uh, it? it's a real indictment of where Americans' heads are at. How many people believe that in Europe? Probably much less, a little more realistic in Europe. In the, in the UK, probably a bit less, but the government's going to go along with it. Because they deploy those same talking points in order to build up their uh, authoritarian Orwellian national security state. They rely on these mythological tales of Russian interference in Western democracy in order to provide the funding and the pretext to build up their police states. At home. It's as simple as that. And the police states are very lucrative. Let's be clear. Let's be honest. They're very, very lucrative. There's a lot of money and profits to be turned for that. So I'm just laying it out, ladies and gentlemen, as it is. Uh now let's shift gears right now. I want to bring uh Basil Valentine, our roving correspondent for all things uh, in the world, joining us on the live link right now. Basil, how are you?
2: Very well, thank you, Patrick. And uh good afternoon, good morning to our listeners all around the world.
1: I was just having a general rant, Basil. I apologize uh, sometimes. <laughs> I, I, it, it really overcomes me, the the, the the insanity that we're witnessing right now. I really can't believe some of the things that I'm seeing being said, especially in the halls of government, that is just really unbelievable. And at the same time, they're waxing lyrical about their democratic bona fides at a time like this. It is really
2: extraordinary. Oh, I agree. It's uh, completely unprecedented in our lifetimes for the sheer scale of the horror we're witnessing. I mean, uh, the, the the pictures, particularly from northern Gaza, thousands of starving people chasing after aid trucks while dodging bullets. It's the most hellish scenario imaginable, and yet the United Kingdom's House of Commons can't even bring itself to br- to uh, to set before itself. A motion calling for an immediate and total ceasefire. We heard from some MPs yesterday uh, talking about uh, children being shot in the head by snipers. Uh, That was based on the testimony of a returning American doctor who wrote a notable piece for the Los Angeles Times. I don't know if you saw that, uh, saying that what he witnessed was not war, but annihilation. He was quoted by some MPs during the debate. but mps remained unmoved perhaps because 95 percent of those mps who spoke in yesterday's debate we can come on to the various motions that were put before the house of commons in a moment but 95 percent of the mps who spoke were friends of either conservative friends of israel members of either conservative friends of israel or labor friends of israel both organizations directly tied to the israeli embassy so The same applies to the speaker, Lindsay Hoyle, although uh, who behaved absolutely disgracefully and with any luck will resign within a matter of hours or days. Nobody can have any confidence in him. Uh, He can be found pictured uh, wearing the uh, black jacket, um, bulletproof vest on a recent trip to Israel. So he's totally compromised, as is Starmer, as we know. Uh, But I digress. Yes, you could you could sum it up really uh Patrick particularly with the absolutely disgusting behavior of the man masquerading as Archbishop of Canterbury Justin Welby as the British establishments war on the Palestinian people it's as simple as that uh, Welby refused to meet Pastor Munter uh, a cleric from effectively the Episcopalian Church, uh, the same church theologically as the one that Welby claims to represent. Welby refused to meet Pastor Munther because he had shared a platform with Jeremy Corbyn. I mean, this really, really beggars belief. In other words, uh, Welby, without any evidence at all, has swallowed whole all the smears and lies about corbyn a lifelong uh, anti-racist campaigner Uh, he swallowed the lies whole he uh, obviously believes that corbyn is some kind of anti-semite to the extent that he will not only not share a platform with corbyn but refuses to share a platform with the clergyman because the clergyman shared a platform with Corbyn calling for a ceasefire. In other words, Welby is a supporter of genocide. That's why I say he is simply masquerading as Archbishop of Canterbury. He was only too happy to share a platform with the chief rabbi in the run up to the 2019 election, denouncing Corbyn and the Labour Party as anti Semitic, an entirely evidence free assertion. Uh, And the chief rabbi now, of course, is referring to the IDF, the murderous Israeli occupation forces, as our troops uh, and is full throated in his support of the genocide. The rabbi obviously owns Welby and uh, Welby is a he's worse than a coward. Welby, he's an abomination. He has no business being in that position at all.
1: Hold on for a minute. Let me get this straight. Uh, I'm a little bit confused. So uh, the man who's uh, ostensibly closest to God uh, in Britain, third, uh, constitutionally third in line uh, for, you know, head of the country of, of Britain, okay, the Archbishop of Canterbury, um, basically is snubbing uh, a Christian uh, pastor uh, who is a uh, t- top uh, top sort of religious figure, a uh, Christian figure in in the middle east okay the birthplace of christianity by the way i know this might seem like crazy but actually christianity i'm told anyway basil my history gets rusty sometimes but i'm told that christianity comes from bethlehem that it comes from palestine that's what i've been led to believe all these years i didn't realize it was lambeth where christianity was invented but anyway <laughs> I, digre- I digress i digress so 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 he's, uh, F- uh, Father Munter is talking about the suffering, the subjugation of Christian Palestinians as well as Muslims. But, uh, but just take the Christian piece. He's been highlighting this, the persecution of Christians, the desecration of churches, the targeting of churches and holy sites by the Israeli military. Okay, he's been highlighting this and he's being considered persona non grata by the Archbishop of Canterbury. Uh, What happened to Christianity first? Or is that no longer relevant?
2: Uh, I can't speak for Welby. He's a total disgrace. I will, however, quote the Reverend Dr. Munter Isaac, the man in question. Last Sunday at Bloomsbury Central Baptist Church in London, uh, he made an uncompromising call to uk churches he said that they are called to be the church and to act in costly solidarity towards an immediate and comprehensive ceasefire this is a moral obligation this is not the time for neutrality or soft diplomacy he was building on his christmas sermon christ in the rubble a liturgy of lament but it seems uh welby takes a different view he seems to be supporting the ongoing genocide. We have had no meaningful public statement from him to the contrary. Uh, he needs to be, if he wants to redeem his reputation at all, he needs to make an immediate, full throated endorsement of uh, Dr. Munter Isaac's remarks. Anything else, and he must resign from office.
1: I, listen, if 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 I'm not a man of the cloth, uh, Basil, as you know, but uh, if I could give uh, my sermon this Sunday uh, at at whatever church in Britain or anywhere else in the world, it would start like this. It would be very simple, Basil. It would start like this: to my Christian parishioners, I would say, "The devastation in Gaza. What would Jesus do?" Dot 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 fill in the blanks that's it it's as simple as that why is this a struggle for christians in the west this is the big question basil well
2: it shouldn't be and no one of any conscience or ethics has any difficulty in seeing the very very clear moral picture with regard to what's happening in the middle east but uh Welby is completely compromised it's important that people know uh and i'm quoting here from the rapper loki online who posted the following information on x earlier today Welby's involvement with the israeli government through his role as president of an organization called the council for christians and jews the ccj which of course sounds innocuous enough and like a lot of these organizations and like a lot of uh these, you know, so-called fronts for peace—they uh, are, in fact, simply uh, ways of making the occupation and the genocide acceptable by sort of pretending that, you know, you know, really we're sort of seeking reconciliation and all the rest of it. When in fact, all you're doing is legitimizing the occupation and the oppression of the Palestinian people. Uh, Welby is president of the CCJ, which, according to its own reports, takes people on tours of occupied Palestine, where they visit illegal Israeli settlements and meet with Israeli government officials. The CCJ also works with one of Israel's national institutions, the United Jewish Israel Appeal, which has been found to take students on trips to illegal Israeli settlements in the West Bank. The head of Israel engagement at the UJIA, the United Jewish Israel Appeal, has described Welby's organization as carrying out pioneering work. He's also involved with the Abraham initiatives, which claims it exists to increase synergy between the UK and Israeli bodies and agencies. Uh, so, you know, when you add it all up, uh, Welby is far closer to the Israeli regime than he is to Christ.
1: Well, you know, if it's about promoting the teachings of uh, Jesus Christ and what's right, what's wrong, what's morally correct to do, what's what should one do with respect to your religion, uh, your scriptures, the Ten Commandments, just as a starting point, uh, it it really seems like this. When we look at the religious leaders, I mean. God-loving Pope Francis was a bit late to the game, but he arrived eventually. He arrived, made sweeping condemnations of what Israel's doing in Gaza. It took him a few months, granted, but he would he arrived. But uh, I, I don't see any excuse for anybody else at this point, Basil, that's dragging their heels on this, saying, well, <clears throat> you know, the wringing of the hands, as they say, Basil, uh, it, it, it's never more prevalent than in Western Christendom.
2: Uh, well, you know, I've said, <laughs> I've said my piece about Welby, um, I only hope we can get a petition or something together to get him unseated, frankly, because he's a total disgrace to the office he pretends to hold. Um, but uh, as you said in your preamble, the Archbishop of Canterbury is a very senior position within the UK establishment, although King Charles is nominally head of the Church of England, Uh, you know Welby is the de facto head of the church in England and I for one would not dream of going anywhere near any Church of England establishment while he remains at his head Uh, he not only needs to resign he needs to be publicly pilloried for his abysmal stance Um, the other aspect of the United Kingdom establishments war on the Palestinian people of course was the mucky political deal that keir starmer and speaker of the house lindsay hoyle got together last night in order to prevent the scottish national party exercising their constitutional rights to put a motion before the house of commons instead hoyle uh, put before the house the much watered down labor amendment and he's now claiming today that he did so because he wanted a motion to pass uh, that would uh, basically mean that MPs were not targeted by the angry mob of uh, ceasefire protesters. Uh, Starmer uh, completely mendaciously uh, started claiming that his MPs were being threatened for supporting genocide. Um, what in fact was the case is that uh, his MPs are afraid of losing their seats. On mass hmm. for supporting genocide. Uh, he was also afraid that if the SNP motion was put before the House, it would see a very large rebellion, which he would be unable to contain, and uh, that would undermine his leadership. Worth noting, of course, as I said at the beginning of my remarks, that both he and Hoyle are fervent supporters of Israel. So at the end of the day, the fact that the proper motion which mentioned collective punishment you see the original SNP motion talked about how the Palestinians were suffering collective punishment uh, which is true of course uh, but Starmer didn't want that presented by the, to the house of Commons didn't want to see large numbers of his MPs voting for that motion because uh, it's so, so it's claimed um he would subsequently find it embarrassing having to deal with Benjamin Netanyahu if uh, large parts of his own party embraced that position. I mean, you really can't make this stuff up, Patrick. It's obscene.
1: So so hold on. Not accountable to the British voter constituents. No, 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 no. Accountable to Benjamin Netanyahu?
2: That's right. Exactly. Afraid of upsetting upsetting his pal Bibi, who, uh, as we know, from the icj the plausible case he's committing genocide a lot of people are hoping that uh, he will also be charged by the icc uh, which is appears to be finally uh, getting into motion so obvious you know people up and down the country in Britain are absolutely appalled at what's gone on uh, including a, a lot of MPs uh, upset more about the fact that procedure wasn't followed than the fact that the people of gaza have been completely abandoned um hopefully hoyle will go and the fact that Starmer is a totally unprincipled individual uh has been even further exposed where it necessary
1: absolutely incredible uh, situation uh basil as it unfolds so you know democracy is really being tested and quite frankly failing this is the issue that's breaking governments right across the west they cannot uh bear to break free of this stranglehold that they find themselves under we talked about the power of the lobby with dr zachary foster in the first hour great conversation by the way uh with zach but you know this is unprecedented i mean i've seen influence uh, operations we've seen nudging before basil we've seen arm twisting we have not seen total control of much smaller country controlling, uh, the foreign policy of the United States and Britain and Europe. It's really extraordinary unless this is all what they want as well. Maybe their interests are completely aligned and they just don't like Arabs and Palestinians, uh, in Brussels, Washington and London. Maybe that's it. I, I, I really having, I'm struggling with this Basil. really.
2: Well, you know, it's the the product of decades of uh, lobbying, bribery and blackmail by the Israel lobby to uh, basically capture uh, the vast majority of our elected officials uh, in Washington, uh, in London, in Brussels, in Bonn, in Paris uh, and so on and so forth, because in no way at all would uh what's happening to the Palestinian people be considered uh a sort of acceptable uh anywhere in the Eurasian theater. Uh this kind of thing goes on in sub-Saharan Africa, um, but, you know perhaps even in Central America or you know far flung parts of the world, but anywhere within the sort of greater European sphere of influence. Um, the uh, situation in gaza would have been prevented from getting this desperate a long long time ago but years and years of dehumanizing the palestinian people which continues to this day uh has resulted in the current abomination
1: well we can only pray at this point uh that somehow the damage Indeed. is abated uh that the lives Indeed. can be saved at this point but uh i really fear for what's coming uh with this situation building up in rafa basil and of course we're going to be right here to give you all of the latest news analysis and updates on that monday I, to friday I'm, here on tnt go ahead basil uh, before we break well
2: just a, the the latest sort of today is that apparently israeli seeking palestinians not affiliated with hamas to manage civilian affairs in parts of the gaza strip designed as testing grounds for the post-war administration of the enclave we first heard this plan um well, back in sort of november or something uh about sort of trusted palestinians stooges in other words um and, and it certainly wouldn't be an authority by the looks of it that covers the whole of gaza what they want to do is what they've done in the west bank which is break out, break gaza up into isolated pockets or fiefdoms probably surrounded once again by high fences israeli soldiers and barbed wire so basically a sort of uh, whereas previously the gaza concentration camp people at lee could at least roam the, uh, the the length and breadth of it uh i think it, the plan now is to uh create sort of tiny little concentration camps within the previous concentration camp surrounded by armed guards
1: isn't that what the uh called in prison the trustees these are people the warden can that's trust right to help uh you know delegate and manage uh the the, the affairs of the prisoners uh and so forth trustees that's a, a prison term we've got lockdowns we've got trustees uh yeah this is all sounding very uh orwellian indeed unfortunately unfortunately especially the, for the, the israeli
2: military the israeli military uh this is being discussed with uh, respect to the zaytoon neighborhood of northern gaza city uh the israeli military would provide peripheral security so the people that have murdered 30,000 civilians and maimed tens of thousands more are going to be your guards
1: Hmm. interesting well that didn't how's that working out in the west bank not very well not very well basil valentine thank you for joining us on tnt for this very important update much appreciated
2: thank you patrick
1: there he goes ladies and gentlemen that is basil valentine our analyst on middle eastern affairs this week we're going to break right now with the network however and connect uh with our next guest christian james our research assistant who's got equally uh, troubling news to share with us also some very interesting stories we're going to share with you uh in the final segment of the final hour here on tnt today's news talk the patrick kenningson show live and direct we'll be right back
0: tnt's
1: jason olborn
0: Al Gore can't get a single thing right, and yet he gets another chance, for example, to uh, come out and tell us that if we don't do this, we're all gonna be dead. And yet now we're learning that uh, in Ireland, for example, they're gonna slaughter 200,000 cattle for the climate. I mean, aren't they doing it to us anyway, one way or another, whether we, they pretend that we're heating up the world, we're all gonna burn out, or if we starve, isn't it the same result that, they, that they're setting out to do?
2: Well, this has got nothing to do with climate. It's got
3: nothing to do with the environment. Uh, this is a new scam, and it's a case of follow the money. Al Gore has become a multi-billionaire from frightening, frightening people witless about a mythical climate change, and if you only looked into the past, you'd see that the variation that we're currently enjoying today is far less than previous variations.
0: Weekends with Jason Olborn on today's News Talk. TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. One reason people tune in to TNT Radio is often because they're loyal to a specific show or personality. Our personalities have been a part of people's daily routine and people continue to tune in. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to TNTRadio.live
1: say this and i'm gonna
3: say it just once
0: this is today's news talk radio tnt welcome
1: back ladies and gentlemen welcome back i'm patrick kenny senior host this is tnt today's news talk live and direct we're in the final segment of the final hour here Big thank you to everybody in our TNT chat community. We've got great numbers this week in there. That community is just building and building. Uh, Really great to see you guys in there. That's where all the action is, folks. That's where all the best people are hanging out during this program. They're in the TNT chat room. So go on to tntradio.live. You'll see the little red bubble, lower right-hand corner. Just get in there, log in, stay logged in. And you can also access it via the app on the mobile smartphones as well. Let's bring on to the program our research assistant for the show, Christian James, who at this point in the week is normally sharing us uh, some very key stories, some very impactful events that we need to know more about. Christian, welcome to the program.
4: Oh, Thank you very much, Patrick. How are you doing today, my friend? <laughs>
1: Uh, we're doing good it's been a bit tough uh this this week you know there's a lot of things that are happening that uh, quite frankly we we wish weren't happening Christian uh, with the Assange case in the high courts in London right now that's still dragging on and of course this uh deteriorating uh situation in southern Gaza that's looking like it's going to get even worse uh, by the looks of it but uh before we get on to uh, the news that you're going to be sharing with us as well what are your comments I want to get your thoughts on on the julian assange case i don't know how close you've been following it uh but certainly there's been a lot of activity around this in london uh and in the uk uh but yeah go ahead and share us, uh, with us your thoughts on on the assange situation
4: yeah yeah for sure there's a dizzying amount of like clown stuff happening this past week and uh it's it's I wish we could say we had common sense that could be applied, but clearly it can't be. Um, what's happened with Julius Assange, of course, you know, is, is as terrible as we all know it is. I mean, we are facing potentially a, a gentleman and going to prison in the United States of 175 years. This man deserves to be um, released and set free from what he revealed to the public in regards to the US and UK war crimes that happened obviously during the war of Ireland. Obviously, during the gulf war and so on and what happened in afghanistan um unfortunately so um the situation still is it's kind of unchanged in a way so yesterday uh, the results of that particular case came out the judges really couldn't decide um there was a no decision vote passed by the end it, it, they could not um agree on what the decision was i mean this i think is going to affect uh what happens next and i have to ask i don't quite know even if they know what could happen next Clearly, there is political pressure from the United States. The UK clearly wants to keep that relationship going. There must be pressure from Australia happening here as well. And all that sits on the judge's shoulders about what they're going to do. Will there be an extraction from the UK um, potentially be picked up by US marshals as soon as he walks out of the courtroom and taken straight to the United States, wherever that is going to be incarcerated there? Um, I mean, there was talk, of course, that um, he would but not face the 175 years in prison that is potentially going to be the case. It might only be 63, which, you know, for, for a gentleman of his age now, 52 years old, that is essentially still the death sentence, whichever way you slice it. Um, you and I potentially have seen all the um, the people who were outside, people who made their statements, Jeremy Corbyn, his wife, um, P- Piers Robinson who was there, um, they were talking clearly about what this man's reputation is and what it stands to be because journalism clearly is on the chopping block here because whatever happens ultimately um i think for julian of course we have a man who's in a position where he's going to face the united states as you say uh, but we have uh politics in general journalism in general is here um uh, the, the, the to and fro of this is going to be difficult because it will set the precedent going forward uh, that this can happen to anybody, anybody who reported on anything that was in those WikiLeaks documents. Any journalist who talks and speaks the truth could also be facing these kind of charges, uh, particularly if you question the narrative that has been put forward over the last 20 years or so. Um, I mean, generally, again, I believe to my, to my understanding, as I read earlier today, is that, that if the next step that the Julian Assange's lawyer team can uh, expect they can go to the European Courts of Human Rights for protection under uh, Rule Thirty Nine, which again is it's, it's trying to stop the extraction happening due to his uh, his health. Um, that will be their last vestige um, beyond what happens at the UK High Courts. You
1: know, indeed, indeed. I think I think uh, there, there, there's going to be some consternation on this, especially with a lot of publicity that's been given. To uh, this plot to either assassinate or kidnap uh, Assange by the CIA by U.S. officials, Mike Pompeo is implicated. There's a there's a federal case. We'll be talking to Ma- Matthew Lee from Inner City Press tomorrow about that SDNY federal case uh, that they're suing the CIA and you know, these various members of government for uh, plotting this against Assange and spying on his legal team and so forth. Their rights have been violated. So that that does put it into the political sphere, Christian. And as we know, or as has been argued by the QCs representing uh, Julian Assange, WikiLeaks founder, is that the extradition treaty between the United States and the UK, very a key point here, um, it, it really forbids any extradition of political prisoners or people are being persecuted politically. So with that in mind, Christian, you've got some UK judges, British judges that have to basically factor that in. A lot of people know about this now. Like this has gotten really big airing publicly. I think that has a potential to swing. But will it happen? And if it does, it's gonna to have to be covered up by another big story at the same time. Uh, so maybe a distraction of sorts might provide some cover to sort of you know, mitigate the damage for the British government on this, losing face. But then they're doubling down as well. They may, may feel like they just can't bear to let him go after dragging him this far through. 13 years, arbitrary detention, Christian. I mean, it's pretty incredible situation.
4: It is. I mean, the fact that he currently um, has been freed of his um, what he was charged with. You know, it's the US that wants to charge him with these 17 extra crimes because they need him. They want him. They want him to be um, basically made an example of for everyone. And he really is the character um, they want to assassinate in many words than others. Um, I saw uh, what happened with Claire Daly yesterday. She spoke very passionately uh, about what's been done to Julian Assange. It's not just about the persecution of one man. Uh, this is about intimidating journalism. It's about squashing dissent and smothering the peace movement and silencing the voices of truth and uh, the voices of freedom. I mean, no uh, truer words have been said, I don't think, over the course of the last few days uh, about what he represents to to everyone, whether you're a journalist uh, on your own, whether you're following this, this journey um, through the truth, whatever that might be, whether you're a big news corporation or whether you're someone who works in a news corp, you know, everyone really worth their salt should be looking at what this case is and what it represents to them as an individual. Um, and and to, to, to question authority when it happens should be the role of journalism, and that's what Julian did in this case, and here he is, the one behind bars. So, yeah, I mean, is, I did see... I did ahead, see um, his. I did see uh, Julian Assange's lawyer um, mentioning the fact that in two thousand and one, so two thousand twenty one, there, there was a case, of, of course, of his suicide potentially, um, and that was uh, that was the reason why he was not extracted back then due to his severe ill health. The fact that Julian has n- not appeared in court this time due to ill health um, for the twentieth and the twenty first, and now today. Um, you know it also speaks to the case of what we have mentally put this man through i mean we talk all the time as a, as a country as it were about mental health and what we do to people and here we are holding a man behind bars for essentially doing his job
1: yeah unconvicted unconvicted, unconvicted. He's not convicted of any any crimes he's being held on a spurious bail jumping charge dating back to 2010 for a swedish sex case that got dropped three times and is now null and void like literally that's the basis of his incarceration, very convenient, very political. And I might add that, uh, a man by the name of well, way back crown prosecution services, uh, I think his name was Kier, Kier something, uh, <laughs> he was responsible responsible for keeping Assange on ice. Oh, it's the labor leader, Keir Starmer. I'm sorry. I forgot his last name. Yeah. Uh, how did he factors into this uh, story with Assange? He was kind of rewarded after that, maybe. I mean, you can look at it that way, did get his knighthood, but you know, we're not sort of, you know, casting any dispersions or anything uh, untoward here. We're just commenting on what a what an incredible coincidence all that was, but isn't that how things go in politics?
4: It is. Everyone has to essentially get, get take their backhand. I mean, I guess if we talk about Keir Starmer, I mean, I guess if you want, did you want to transition to the point of that happened yesterday? In Poland? Yes. Poland was what, in happened, well, what happened? Absolutely. what happened? Basil tried to
1: explain this. He tried to explain this, Christian, but, you know, just the chaos of us trying to, you know, uh, moderate the, the, the Gaza debate at the same time. Uh, g- give us your boiled down synopsis of the absolute well, farrago we saw yesterday.
4: So it was interesting. So I, I saw how the news teams, so in terms of how I saw it, I saw how the news teams were trying to cover it in the 20 minutes after, and they could not describe what there's GB news it was Sky and BBC. They were saying, something's yeah. happening in Parliament, something to do with the SNP, Labour, and they can't quite work out what's going on. It was very interesting seeing how the news couldn't explain it either. So the fact that Basel had an issue as well, you know, it speaks volumes to what is what happened. So I've got a, a bit of a slant on this, as as I often do. So effectively, you had the SNP wanted to, and rightfully so, um, put their point forward in regards to the ceasefire that they want to happen for humanitarian reasons in in Gaza. Of course, what's happening with Israel, as we all know. So what happened? They want, the speaker, um, the House of Commons, uh, Sir Leslie, he wanted to put that vote before. The, the debate that they wanted to talk about, which was to stop the for ceasefire. And because they did that, uh, the Tories and the SNP went, hey, wait a minute, you can't do that. That is not the political um, process that we go through. So not necessarily what the topic was, but the process is what they walked out for. Um, and there were some really interesting comments that were made at that time. I made some notes of them. Um, so Penny Morden, of course, she's the Commons leader as well. She says that Sir Lindsay hijacked the debate um, to undermine the confidence in the House against long-standing rules and Labour's bid to amend what the SNP said because they wanted to add the SNP's um, position that they wanted to to have a humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza. Um, she then uh, basically um, withdrew the government's amendment on this, um, and from this point here, there was the Tories got all their. Um, Israel flags up in the air, and we're like, "This is shameful. You can't do this. Our process has been uh, being eroded here. You're attacking democracy." And they they got all up and they walked out together with the SNP. Not everyone did, but what it meant was the majority of the people in the house at that time, therefore, were the Labour members. So effectively, you then had an almost uh, Labour agreement that this amendment could pass, and this is what they're going to vote on. Um, so, and then a little bit later on, the um, Lindsay came forward and had to apologize for breaking uh, the ministerial code and changing the practice of the order of things because he wanted the vote because of what it represents to be more well represented. And why you might think that sounds like a really interesting and great thing to do, um, and it does come out from, perhaps from a good place. But there, there is a, the, the task of this is that um, Labour, of course, is heavily sponsored by the Israel so up to 40%. So you have here. And particular, Lindsay, Lindsay Hoyle, who is the Speaker of the House, um, his father actually set up the Friends of Israel lobby in the Labour Party. So it's very unlikely that they would have um, a Gaza sympathetic position because, of course, they represent more of the Israel lobby. Um, So that was the weird talking point on the news last night. That, How can this be the case? Um, Because the Labour does receive 40 percent of this money from um from Israel's um, optics, shall we say. So this is what I think. This is how the optics, I think, were at play here. I think they actually tried to stop the vote from happening. And how they did this is to, because of the, I don't know how I wrote it here, I do apologize. So it's it's almost as if Labour wanted to uh, wring its hands and say, look, we've had a vote, but it was stopped in Parliament because we stopped the parliamentary process so to their members who make up the Labour, um, people who put their money in, people who are Labour supporters, people who are predominantly left-orientated supporters who agree, like we, as we do and many others do, that the, the ceasefire should happen and Israel should stop bombing Gaza, because therefore the Israel lobby is the one paying for this. To save face, um, they stopped the vote from going ahead, even though they were the ones who put the vote forward. Um, t- to save face to its own members, they could say, hey, uh, we did this, we tried. But the process was stopped because we changed parliamentary position and well, what's happening now uh as in i heard today is that there's now calls for uh, lindsay to actually be uh, removed as the house of commons speaker um there's also calls now for kia starmer who may well have arranged to have that situation occur um oh, you bet also he did. face yes you, you know he did bet he did yeah so for that for that almost double play that happened in front of the world in front of parliament you know to stop that happening, to save face, um, he may now face being extradited by his own party. But in the last three weeks, three Labour member MPs have also faced the CHOP due to anti-Semitic comments, um, because they obviously have obviously Muslim members who obviously represent their um, parties, and they, by their political position and by their faith positions, do agree with what's happening uh, for the Gazan people, for the Palestinians. So they have now faced being um, told to leave the party. Um, I believe two, two members have been suspended. Um, and they've got what's coming up very soon, of course, is the election campaigns. They've been told that they cannot run for their constituencies in their respective areas. So Labour right now is in an absolute mess. Um, and this, perhaps, you know is some kind of a way to play both sides against each other while still keeping the money coming in from the Israeli lobby.
1: Unbelievable. Nobody's interfering in our democracy uh, in, in in the U.S. and Britain, though, uh, Christian. Absolutely. This is just totally normal. Totally Paul for the course. No problem. Nothing to see here. Move along. They haven't gutted the Labour Party in the last uh, three or four years. No, no, that hasn't happened. Uh, it's all good. Everything's good and democratic uh, in Britain and the U.S. on this, especially on this this issue. Unbelievable. This is the issue that's going to break democracy in the West. Christian James, our research assistant, will be back uh, in just a moment to discuss further developments on this and other stories. I'm Patrick Henningsen. This is TNT Today's News Talk. We'll be right back
0: de-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective.
3: The big question is why does the United States and why does Australia apparently have leaders that wish to commit national suicide as far as energy goes? Check out these facts. The European Union has 468 coal plants. They're building 27 more. Turkey has 56, building 93 more. South Africa has 79 coal plants, building 24 more. India, 589 building 446. Philippines, 19, they're building 60 more. South Korea, 58 coal plants, building 26 more. Japan, 90 coal plants, building 45 more. But here is the coup de grace. Here is something that makes me wonder. That given Hunter Biden had dealings with a Chinese energy corporation and a fossil fuel energy corporation at that, that these people that are actually in charge of the United States are not complicit in all this phony climate war scam stuff. China has 2,363 coal plants. They're building 1,171 more, and not a peep out of the United States. What about Australia? You're gonna shut down your six remaining plants. All this to save the world? Let me tell you something, what's going on is who's ever in charge of Australia and the United States trying to bring down their own country at the expense of China. And the rest of the world how else can you conclude anything else this is tnt climate and weather watch dog meteorologist joe bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather it's the only weather you got
0: patrick henningson and tnt
1: welcome back folks welcome back here uh coming up to the top of the hour into the program here i've got christian james our research assistant on the show christian i thought you did a pretty good job breaking down uh that circus Uh, On the floor in the House of Commons, about as good as you can do, because as we know, uh, politics is a very nebulous and uh, messy business. And uh, all is not always what it appears to be on the surface. Any final comments on that situation? And uh, I know we've got another big story I want to tackle with you, but go ahead.
4: Yeah, I think my my only last real thought about it, and it really is nebulous, is that clearly Parliament is not leading the agenda by the majority. Those who are voting for those political party members to be in the positions that they are, um, those MPs are actually clearly taking their money from the special interest groups. And that's the ones they are trying to keep appeased as opposed to the people that are voting and, and keeping them in position. Uh, that really is my, my kind of final final thought on that, really.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, look at uh, the, the Britain, the British government, probably one of the leading governments, uh, the MOD, are very, very much involved uh, in the hostilities in the Middle East. Of course, we know the United States is, they're the main sponsor. Uh, but uh, there's no shortage of scandals uh, on the British defence side uh, either. Uh, what's the latest?
4: Well, I, I guess, so yesterday, uh, the UK faced another embarrassment. So not only do we have julian assange case not only have we got what's happening in parliament yesterday we've been thrown egg on our face quite literally uh, in regards to our ministry uh a ministry of defense our weapons and our military uh, faced a serious misfire and i, I don't use that phrase incorrectly uh, because yesterday we actually tested our uh, nuclear launch capability uh, one of our submarines over off- off the west coast, sorry, east coast of America, uh, was doing its tests as part of the the NATO drill exercise and more, just making sure that our deterrent still works. However, it didn't work. It uh, it launched its uh, missile through the surface of the water uh, quite spectacularly. To the uh, got <laughs> the press watching. I don't know why you want need the press to be watching this. The the missile literally linked to one side and fell into the water. It didn't launch correctly. And then I started uh, looking around data for a bit more about it, trying to understand what it was. That I'm facing, I'm watching our military, and it's our nuclear deterrent not work. Apparently, the last time it was tested was in 2016, where it also didn't work. And you'd have thought they would have tested. You know, so we have a nuclear deterrent system. We have our we have our um, four uh, nuclear-powered submarines. We have allegedly 48 uh, nuclear material um, weapons in our in our arsenal to fire at any one time. And clearly, we've never tested them. Since 2016, they didn't work. We, they, they were never tested again. Now, as in, they weren't armed, as it were. They were just the the missile uh, the firing mechanism. But yesterday, of course, it launched and it fired. It flopped over. It didn't work so well. So we were left in a position now, where our engineering is it? Is it the propellant? Is it a programming error? Is there something what's causing the missiles not to fly? Is it the water getting into the device? Who knows? But you'd have thought they would have sorted that out before they had the military programs, the military drills they've been running. Because, of course, for the last few weeks, we've heard everything from our um, our, Mil- our Ministry of Defence, uh, Grant Schnapps, talking about the fact that we potentially are going to be facing um, a draft. We're potentially going to be facing going to war within the next four to eight years against aggressors such as China and Russia, in his uh, estimation, um, because they are very likely to happen. And here we are, we have, what was it, 24 ships. In the last few weeks, we've had... Embarrassment of the Queen Elizabeth um, aircraft carrier, the propeller didn't work. Uh, it was not sent to uh, the Mediterranean to support the uh, aircraft battle group over there. We are also for the Prince of Wales also faces the very same issue. Also found out that it doesn't have um, some of the technology on board that it was supposed to have when it was supposed to launch also to join the same carry group. So one was supposed to support the other. Haven't launched either so they are still left in in dock and ones out in the atlantic ocean waiting to be towed back um so our military is facing just a a situation that is just embarrassing particularly when it's nato's largest drill that is still currently going on we have troops over in estonia we have troops over in in norway you know in training in in ice, ice conditions and here we are we have equipment that doesn't work and when you think about they want to match up against Russia. They want to keep poking the great bear in the north about what this is going to be. And we're trying to oppose them in lots of different ways. And here we are with a essentially a system of military, and a system of solutions and technologies um, and background information here that doesn't work. You know, we have stripped our military to the bone. We've been talking about that uh, maybe for the last 15 years or so, about how bad our military is supported financially, how bad our um, capability is. It's not very good. We've stripped back all our armed forces in the UK. Now we're left a bear, with a bare-bones force and equipment that doesn't work. Yet Here we are, waving the sabre to go to war. It, it's just it doesn't make sense for what we are trying to do and what we are capable of. I mean, have you been seeing this as well, Patrick?
1: Well, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I, I see you're, you're a little old-fashioned, uh, Christian. You're so obsessed with uh, weapons and military capability. I think there's been some tremendous strides in the military. They've uh, really uh, embraced the diversity, equity, and inclusion agenda. Uh, so, if there's going to be conscription, you better believe it's going to be diverse. Uh, with the conscripting, uh, there's going to be more trans. Uh, people that are going to be represented uh, in the battle groups as well as women on the front line uh certainly that's there's all very important things uh so yeah i mean who knows i mean why why have any restrictions on you know things like education that's all passe you don't need to have any math competency or any of that in fact uh, you can enter the engineering core uh having not gone to university uh in fact so i mean i, ca- I can't see what could possibly go wrong with an absolutely ironclad diversity strategy uh like that because isn't that the most important thing going forward
4: it is diversity equity inclusion at all levels uh no matter what the business is even if it includes our, our defense forces um yeah we, we are engaging in full spectrum warfare but <laughs> clearly those control the computers are too busy making tiktok videos
1: no, now we got we we can win this battle against the uh the the autocrats by showing them how much democracy we've got. We've got so much darn democracy. We are diverse right across the board and proud of it launch the unicorn brigades uh that's that's what we say uh christian i know it's crazy we're making jokes about this stuff but it is kind of a ridiculous situation uh not least of all the amount of money they spend on these programs and they're not even operational how much does an aircraft carrier cost in 2024 i'm sure it's not cheap
4: no apparently so just the repairs alone apparently cost 12 billion um from what i read um a couple of days ago uh, and that was across that was the the Elizabeth aircraft carrier. Um, so it's not cheap, particularly when our rivals, shall we say, on the uh, the, the arms spectrum can make it and their steel much cheaper. In order to put steel on our ships, we have to import it from the same said country. Um, well, I, I don't know what that tells you.
1: Well, there's also the issue of trying to find planes uh, to have on deck of these aircraft <laughs> carriers, planes that actually can fly missions. I mean, hey, it's it's kind of a you know it's an afterthought, I guess. Aircraft carrier, planes on top, but apparently it's an issue. So yeah, I mean the Houthis uh, aren't quaking in their boots uh, over these sort of problems, are they? And isn't that really the point uh, that you know the West, NATO, they're just not prepared for combined. Uh, warfare. And why do we need to fight wars anyway? Why don't we just have great diplomatic relations and trade relations with all these countries? That's totally possible, but it's not happening. Uh, So here we are. We're in this conundrum right now. Christian James, our research assistant for the show, really appreciate your input on TNT. Today's news talk this week, all important stories. I think we did a pretty good job of hitting them pretty hard between the eyes. Thank you for joining us.
4: Thank you very much patrick i'll speak
1: to you soon there he goes ladies and gentlemen that is christian james a big thank you as well to basil valentine uh, and dr zachary foster in the first hour this has been another powerful program wait till you see what we got lined up tomorrow uh equally as powerful we're going to be hitting hard on the ground in the middle east with special guests booking them now and talking to them as we speak to prepare those segments so stay tuned we'll be back tomorrow same time same place and with matt lee from inside the southern district of new york court with the wikileaks julian Assange case that's going on there too that has direct bearing on the extradition case as well we'll get all that and more i'm patrick henningson your host it's been real been great appreciate you guys